Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to Rico Bronia, a one-topic Rico Bronia, and that, of course, is Jacob DeGrom. Uh, it, it seems as if we've all just accepted the fact that Jacob DeGrom is gone. We've all just accepted the fact that he hates New York, his wife hates New York, his kids don't want to grow up in New York, and it's almost like this accepted reality that Jacob DeGrom is going to pitch for another team, probably the Atlanta Braves. And while all that stuff may be true, and where there is smoke, there is fire, I am not going to just accept that fate. So today on Rico Bronia, we'll talk about all the aspects of Jacob DeGrom, re-signing Jacob DeGrom, what it would cost, how to replace him if he is gone, and also the curious case of do Met fans like Jacob DeGrom? And I want to start there because I'll tell you a quick story before we get to this athletic poll, which I know has caused some uproar among the Mets community. Jacob DeGrom became my favorite player because most Met fans disrespected him. That was really the origin of it. It goes all the way back to 2015. Joe and I were doing the midday show. Boomer and Cart were doing the morning show. And the big topic amongst Boomer and Craig, and I've told this story to Craig, so he's aware of it, was who should start opening day for the Mets in 2015. It was a big controversy. And obviously, it's more of a symbolic thing, but nevertheless, it was a controversy amongst them. It was a controversy amongst Joe and I, Mike Francesa, and really all around the radio station. And the debate kind of became Matt Harvey, who had missed the previous year due to Tommy John surgery, but obviously had burst onto the scene with that just absolutely incredible 2013. We all know about how great Matt was, starts the All-Star game, and then the devastating news that he needs Tommy John surgery. So side number one was Matt Harvey, and then side number two was the guy who ended up starting opening day, Bartolo Colon. So it, it was controversial because a lot of Met fans said, come on, it's got to be Matt Harvey, Matt Harvey, the dark night, he's coming back. How is it not Matt Harvey? And the Mets obviously were kind of pushing back with Bartolo Colon as the safe veteran option. And what I never understood about the debate is how the real answer wasn't discussed. To me, the guy was Jacob DeGrom. And I wasn't saying it because he was my favorite player. At the time, he wasn't my favorite player. He was a guy who burst onto the scene as a rookie, made his major league debut in the Subway Series against the Yankees. And little did I know his first major league start will be a sign of things to come. He pitched against the Yankees, pitched seven innings, and allowed one run. He lost one nothing. And you just, 
You can't make it up. But DeGrom had a great rookie season. And what was not to like, obviously, the the flowing hair, uh, the dashing good looks. But more than that, he was another example of how things were changing for the Mets. We knew Matt Harvey was on his way back. Uh, Zach Wheeler at the time existed. We had heard about Noah Syndergaard. We had heard about Steven Matz. And so DeGrom was just another example of how the Mets were changing. And you could feel how things were turning around for this franchise. So when that debate was occurring, I kept screaming at Joe, I don't understand why DeGrom's not the answer. And Joe never had a great response for it other than, yeah, no, no, bro, no, DeGrom's fine. And that was it. DeGrom is fine. DeGrom is fine. He's okay, but he's not sexy. And so that's really where this all began for me, that I didn't understand why DeGrom wasn't a part of the opening day discussion. Okay, DeGrom then goes out and has a really good 2015, as does Matt Harvey, as does Noah Syndergaard, who's called up halfway through the season, as does Steven Matz. But it's accepted that the ace of the New York Mets is Matt Harvey. While, yes, Matt had a great, comeback season from Tommy John. He did have his controversies mixed in, whether it was he's going to be shut down before the playoffs or missing the workout in 2015. There were controversies around Matt, but Matt wasn't the best pitcher for the New York Mets in 2015. It was Jacob DeGrom. And I could sit here and bore you with those stats. I'm not. You remember DeGrom was their best pitcher. And ultimately, Terry Collins made the choice that was right. Jacob DeGrom started game one of the National League Divisional Series. Jacob DeGrom started Game 5 of the National League Division Series. We all know what happened. Jacob DeGrom, to me, was the unquestioned ace of the New York Mets. The following season, obviously, Matt comes back down to earth. Matt Harvey has his injury injury problems, which unfortunately begin. And and something weird happened. All of a sudden, Noah Syndergaard became the ace. Noah Syndergaard became the apple of people's eyes. He didn't have just long flowing hair like Jake. He had blonde, low flowing hair and he had a nickname. He was Thor. And look, Jake did not have the greatest 2016 because it ended with injury. And I accept that. He had a bad start against the San Francisco Giants in August, had a couple of really bad starts in a row that brought up his ERA. And eventually, much like a lot of guys in that rotation, he was done for the rest of the season. But it now became accepted by Mets fans that Noah Syndergaard was the ace of this team. And while DeGrom did miss the last month of the year, I still looked at Jake's track record of 2014 and 2015 and said, he's the best pitcher. Why is he so disrespected? Why do Met fans not love him? And I never understood it. And now, obviously, 2017 comes around. He has a very solid year in 2017. Went out through a lot of innings. Didn't have a dominant year, but a solid year. And still, DeGrom's liked, but he's not loved. But where it really came to head was in 2018. Jake cut the hair off and had one of the single most dominant seasons we've ever seen. And I went to City Field every five days and I saw Jake and there was no buzz when Jacob DeGrom pitched. There was no electricity when Jacob DeGrom pitched. And honestly, there never really was until real recently. Met fans have never loved Jacob DeGrom. I stand by that. So when I get DMs and tweets over the last 24 hours saying, oh my God, can you believe this athletic poll? Jacob DeGrom is the favorite player of Met fans among 3% of Met fans. Is that what the poll said, Hoff? Because you showed it to me too. I got tweets about it, but the first person who showed it to me was you, Pete. What are the numbers on this for Jake? 
if if I'm correct, it was three point eight percent for Jake, and Max was like two point nine. Which I, after <laughs> a bad outing in the playoffs, I totally respect that. But three point eight for your freaking ace, come on. And look, it dropped a lot from the previous year. So obviously, three percent is way too low. But I stand by my thesis, my little beginning to this podcast. He's never been loved. Never was. Never was as loved as Matt Harvey. Never was as loved as Noah Syndergaard. And even while he was doing what he was doing in 2018 and 2019, not his fault, it never had Doc Gooden buzz. It never had Matt Harvey buzz. And as great as Harvey was in 2013, what DeGrom did in 18 was better. And yet, it never had that buzz. So why are only 3% of Met fans calling Jacob DeGrom their favorite player? Because most Met fans, not all. I know that there are some people listening to this saying, Evan, I love Jacob DeGrom. Obviously, we're talking about the grand scheme of things. I know I'm not the only person that loves Jacob DeGrom. Trust me. And maybe you have seen what I've just described over the years and have wondered about it too. But it's not surprising to hear that DeGrom's favorability amongst Met fans isn't skyrocket high because, quite frankly, Pete, I don't think it was ever skyrocket high, even when he was dominating in 2018 and 2019. That's embarrassing because we were so offended when one person in San Diego didn't vote him the Cy Young that one, the first year. We were offended <laughs> right. that, that he didn't go back-to-back-to-back to back to back Cy Young Award. You know, we're offended that the Mets offense can't score him runs. Like you said, the first game he pitched, where he gave up one run versus the Yankees. That's been his MO for basically his entire career. When he's on, he's lights out, and the Mets don't score for him. And we get upset as Mets fans for that. Yeah, we don't love him. I'm sorry. Those two are that that's kind of embarrassing. And I don't I don't disagree at that moment when a poll comes out and a lot of Mets fans who are A soured on the season and B choke it up to the fact that he's gone yes. why the percentage is so low. Yeah, and that's a big part of it. So what the Athletics poll said was that in January of this past year, DeGrom was the favorite Met among 73% of fans, which I got to tell you, I find it really hard to believe because of all the things I laid out. Like, I think DeGrom has been liked by Met fans, but there was always somebody that was better in their eyes, whether it was Noah Syndergaard or it was Matt Harvey. I do think, though, that that number being 3% has a lot to do with this acceptance, this acceptance that DeGrom is gone. And I want to make something clear. Jacob DeGrom may hate New York and leave. Like, I'm not disputing that. I'm not saying it isn't true. I've heard the same rumblings that everyone else has heard, that he doesn't want to live here anymore, or his wife doesn't want to live here anymore. And by the way, and I know this is another podcast for another day, if that's the truth, and that's why Jacob DeGrom leaves. It's going to be tough to hate him. You know what I mean? Like, it's very difficult to hate somebody because they and their family don't want to live here. And by the way, before anyone brings up Mike Hampton, let me make something clear about what happened with Mike Hampton. Met fans or myself, we weren't angry at Mike Hampton for preferring a school system. We thought it was bull crap. That was the problem. Mike Hampton, if memory serves correct, was offered more money by the Colorado Rockies, okay? He accepted it, which is his business, and his line of it was the school system 
was not us mocking the school system or us mocking him having a family. It was us mocking the fact that he was lying to us. Jacob DeGrom, in my opinion, and we'll get to the details on this, will have to take less money to leave the New York Mets. I really believe that. I trust Steve Cohen. I believe he wants Jacob DeGrom back. I believe he thinks that it's important to have career Mets, which I'll also get to in a little bit. So I think if Jake leaves, he's going to have to leave money on the table. And if he does, <laughs> I'll be devastated, but I'll respect it. It's it's one of those things. It's it's t- You're shaking your head off. Are you going to curse out DeGrom if he turns down more money to go somewhere else because that's where he wants to live? No, no, not at all. What I'm shaking my head is that we're talking about a guy who has stated he wants to opt out of his contract. Why? Because more money, right? Slash two of the people on his team. One is the Mets rep- representation of Francisco Lindor. The other is Max Scherzer, who's like the head of the, the players union, right? He, he's one of the biggest the uh, representatives of the union. The guy, not saying he came to the Mets solely because they gave him the most money, but that's one of the main reasons he came sure. to the Mets. So sure. you have two guys that you're basically going to, you, you see on a daily basis and you're going to say, Guys, I'm sorry, I'm not that type of dude. I'm going somewhere else. Good luck. Like that's a slap it, in the face to 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 the union. Sure, sure. No, no, you're not wrong. But forget the union for a second. As a fan, and I'm not saying this as a fanboy. I want to grow back. How do you not respect that? I mean, just just as a human, like if he ends up having to take less money, and God willing, it's not the Atlanta Braves. Obviously, it's the Texas Rangers or wherever. Don't you have to say, wow, I'm disappointed. I love New York or I love New Jersey. But, wow, that takes a lot of balls that he is turning down all that money to leave. And you're right. It does kind of leave his fellow player down because you want to set that bar as high as humanly possible. But if that's ultimately the decision he and his family make, I'll tell you right now, it's going to be tough to hate him. It's kind of it's not the same scenario at all, but it's kind of like the Rick Reed scenario when he was he was part of the uh, when when the baseball was on strike, he played with the with you know the non union players and whatnot, but he was able to keep a job. And I, if I'm correct, a lot of union players, a lot of MLB players, yeah, they were mad like at him because he was a replacement player. It's funny, you know who left the Mets and took less money because he wanted to go home and there's no ill feelings towards him. Now, granted, he's not a career met the way Jake is. So it's, it's different. And he didn't go to a rival. So obviously Jake going to a rival would be a problem is John Olerud. John Olerud wanted to live in the state of Washington. He took less money. He signed with the Mariners after the 1999 season and no Met fan has ill feelings towards him. So look, I, I think how this plays out, uh, if it is taking less money, if it is the Atlanta Braves, would all be a factor here. But I'm not just going to accept it. I'm not just going to. This podcast isn't accepting that Jacob DeGrom is gone. It's, hey, how aggressive should this franchise be in keeping him? And one thing that matters to me, and I know that it may not matter to everybody listening, is the idea of a career Met, the idea of a Hall of Fame career Met. David Wright was a career Met. He had a chance to be a Hall of Famer. Unfortunately, injuries took that away from him. Tom Seaver, who obviously I didn't get to see pitch. I'm too young, but we've all heard the stories, is one of the great pitchers of all time and one of the biggest mistakes made by not just Tom Seaver because he wanted out too at that point, but obviously this organization was trading him. 
And it's still talked about as one of the most devastating moments for many of the older Met fan. I would want for our generation to have a guy who spends his whole career with one team. And Jake has publicly said that means a lot to him. Now, does that override his family saying we don't want to live here? I don't know. I hope it does. (laughs) No offense to his family, but Jacob deGrom has said playing for one team is really cool. Being a career Met would be really, really cool. And for me, and I think for a lot of us listening, we really don't have that. Our our friends who are Yankee fans, they do have that. Mariano Rivera is a career Yankee, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Derek Jeter is a career Yankee, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And then they've got plenty of other guys that aren't first ballot Hall of Famers, but are career Yankees. Bernie Williams is a career Yankee. Jorge Posada is a career Yankee. Our list is short. It's very short especially if you want that guy to be a Hall of Famer. Then the list doesn't exist. Then there is no list. So maybe this matters more to me and you, Pete, than maybe some other Met fans, the younger Met fan, maybe not even the younger Met fan, the more bottom line Met fan who says, I don't care. I want to win. I don't want to risk spending all this money on a 35-year-old that barely pitches. For me, I'm willing to take that risk more so on him than I am some free agent that hasn't done it for our team. Him being a career Met is a big deal. Now, if Jacob DeGrom ends up in the Hall of Fame, he's wearing a Met hat. It's done. That that, that is not changing. There's no way he's going somewhere else and doing more for them than he's done for the Mets. That would be crazy. He'd go down as one of the great pitchers of all time if he pulls that one off. That's not happening. So, yeah, I accept that if DeGrom, even if it's the Braves, signs with Atlanta, and ends up in Cooperstown, he's got a Met hat on and probably has his number retired. But that's not enough for me. That's not enough. What I want is career Met. And so that's a factor here, at least in my mind, because we haven't had anything like that in our lifetime for the most part. David Wright's the closest thing, and unfortunately, David ain't going to the Hall of Fame. So the career Met aspect is a huge deal for me. Uh, I you said something though that's even bigger to me. Career career Met is huge, but that's only like on the, uh, you know, on the surface level of like when you walk into the stadium, you see Degrom, you see his number, you see all his you know plaques and whatnot. That's really cool. It's for the history and stuff like that. But you know what would be really nice for for the history is a freaking World Series championship. And if Jacob Degrom leaves, like you said, everyone, all I want to do is win. How are you going to win with this pitching staff? And that's a debate we're going to get into in a second. But like, yeah. I look at it, and it's that it's tough to to fix this this pitching staff without Jacob Degrom being at the yeah. The, that's the, the, the head of that's it. the other aspect, the, the the baseball aspect of it. And, <laughs> and I will say this: one last thing about his legacy before we do get to the the actual baseball part of it. Uh, for my money, he's the second greatest pitcher in the history of the franchise. I think he has passed Doc Gooden. Uh, I know one counter I'd always get about that would not just be 1985. 1985 was the greatest single season a Met pitcher's ever had. I'd put it above Jacob DeGrom's 2018. So I respect what he did in 85, and he probably should have won the Cy Young as rookie season in 84 too. But one of the arguments I always get, Joe used to give me about Jake, is, well, they didn't win a World Series. Now, obviously, that's not necessarily on him. They blew game one. That's not on Jacob DeGrom. And my counter would be, had Doc do in the 86 World Series? And that's not a knock on Doc. That's just the reality. The answer is he did crappy. 
not not to not to kill him because look, Jake did crappy in the 2015 World Series too. He pitched four no hit innings in Game Two, and they got bombed in Game Five. It's not a knock on Doc. It's more a reminder that the Mets not winning a World Series during Degrom's time here is not a slight on Jacob Degrom. That should not be the end all be all. I'm looking at the performance, and obviously. It's a different era. He's not pitching 270 innings the way Doc would be able to do it. But I do think in terms of the amount of years he was here, not as much as Doc, the consistency, the dominance, and multiple years of dominance, I think he passed him. I think it's close, but I think he passed him. And so I think you're talking about the second greatest pitcher in the history of this franchise. Because remember this, you have to judge people in the era they're in. It's not fair to use the standard of 1985 to say, well, Jake doesn't do this. And I would always say this to older baseball fans who like to make my day arguments. I'd say, well, you know what? If I was 120, I'd make a my day argument about how your guys are soft because they didn't pitch as much as Christy Mathewson. Would you want to hear that? And of course, it's like, oh, no, you can't say that. Well, every era is different. Like, obviously, the pitchers in the 60s are far different than the pitchers in the 80s who are far different than the pitchers of today. But every era, every generation is able to say, my era's better. We all have that arrogance. We're going to do it to our kids. The 90s were so amazing. (laughs) But there's always someone older who can say their era's better. So you're 70 and you're listening to this podcast and you're saying, well, let me tell you, that DeGrom's no Sandy Koufax. Well, my counter to you would be, with all due respect, Sandy Koufax and Christy Mathewson. And you wouldn't want to hear that. You'd say, well, that's stupid. Well, it's the same thing. We have to judge people in their own era. That's my point. I once wrote a term paper, <laughs> and I got an A on it, by the way, comparing statistically, because it was a statistics class, comparing Pedro Martinez to Sandy Koufax. And it was fun. I had a lot of fun doing that. And I got an A on it, man. I wasn't the greatest student in the world. But I got an A. All right. Let's get to DeGrom. Uh, I can't believe you terms- skip over that. Hold on. Wait, wait a second. Hold what? On. You want more info? Hold on. You, th- this is typical Evan right here. Hold on. We got to dive in. So you had a choice of doing anything, and that's how you chose to break down Sandy Colfax to who? Pedro Martinez. And explain to me a little bit more about this paper. Because this is well, outrageous. Have- this is a statistic class? It was a statistics class, and I don't remember specifically the parameters around the term paper. I just remember that I got the approval that my thesis was going to be (laughs) Sandy Koufax and Pedro Martinez are the same, but Pedro is slightly better. And what I did is I compared Koufax's league ERAs and his ERA to Pedro's ERA and the league ERA at the time, which really helped prove my point that Pedro... I also wrote a term paper that all religion is based on aliens. So I've done a term <laughs> paper like that too, by the way. By the way, but, but uh, on a serious note, that paper yeah. would be obsolete now because stats have changed completely and it would be. Oh, non- <laughs> oh I completely agree. It's the most outdated thing I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, speaking of, speaking of new age stats, war, which is a very, I know we have mixed views on war. Obviously I had a big problem with it this year with the way Alonzo was treated. Just a perspective. Jacob DeGrom, is a, if, he, if he re-signs, now he'd have to re-sign, would pass Doc Gooden in war this season. He's like, like a quarter of a point away from Doc. And remember, Doc was a Met for a longer period of time and threw a hell of a lot more innings than Jake and made a hell of a lot more starts than Jake. So 
I, I don't know if that really proves my point about how great he is, but he is the second greatest pitcher in the history of the franchise, in, in my in my humble opinion. 